A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian who works either in or through the mucky business of politics. Well, you might well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin. Well, you'd be right. But then again, so is everything else. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are in politics in an informed way. Today, we're going to be joined by the former cabinet minister, Dame Caroline Spellman. Caroline served the constituency of Meriden for 22 years as their member of parliament. And she served amongst a whole range of other roles as the secretary of state for uh, environment, food and rural affairs in David Cameron's coalition cabinet. She was also the former chairman of the Conservative Party. We'll discuss life in the high echelons of government, uh, her role in the Brexit debate in parliament, and then also look at why it was that she chose to step down after 22 years as a member of parliament. But before that, this week marks one year of doing this show, and I want to talk about the role you can play in this mucky business of politics. The theme of this podcast is that politics is important and that Christians should care about it. Politics is not the ultimate thing. None of the solutions that it can achieve are ultimate solutions, but it should matter deeply to us because politics impacts on every human being and every human being is made in God's image, holds immense dignity, and we are therefore called to love them. We can't easily love our neighbour if we steer clear of the thing that affects them the most. Politics is how we order our society and it's part of the way we live out our faith because God cares about the details of our daily lives. When it comes to politics, I am certain that Christians must not panic, but that we must care and care deeply. If you're listening to this show, then I will assume that you already have some sort of interest in politics. For 2022, where can you engage that interest? In the book of Exodus, we see Moses arguing with God that he's the wrong person to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I to do that? He asks. God answers him almost comically. What's in your hand? Moses had a shepherd's staff in his hand, a stick, a stick which God used to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So what's in your hand today? Where has God placed you? What injustices can you see in your community that nag away at you? What has he placed on your heart? Well, here are some ideas for the new year. Think about the issues you care about. Pick one and seek to understand it. Find out where it is being discussed. Listen to the debates, make yourself better informed and perhaps enter into the process by writing to your MP or local councillor with your concerns. Go and meet them at their surgery. Look around you. Where do you interact with your community? Your church, workplace or place of study? Your children's school, the local shop, green spaces, public transport, the doctor's surgery? What do you spend your time on? Where does this take you? These are all our ordinary places where we live work and play wherever God has placed you you can be his hands and feet in your community who can you talk to engage with what issues need resolving in Romans Paul explains the nature of human sin the just but horrific consequences of that sin and then gives us the good news of God's mercy to us in Jesus having set all of this out he begins chapter 12 saying in view of God's mercy offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
Being a living sacrifice is something we do in light of God's mercy towards us. And being a living sacrifice surely means serving wherever we are placed. What would that service look like for you? Prayer should always be the first, last and continuous thing we do as Christians. Prayer for guidance, for wisdom, for God's perspective on the issues we face. Pray for God to reveal to you an issue where you could focus your attention. Prayer is the power of God in every situation. So please pray for your politicians, local and national. Pray for wisdom for the issues they grapple with and encourage your church to pray regularly for them too. You may feel that what you do is unimportant, but remember that God told Zechariah not to despise the day of small things. Often we look to Daniel as a bold example of faith, obedience and sacrifice. A believer in high office whose love for God led him to take a terrifying stand. What rarely gets mentioned, though, is that as far as we know, Daniel served quietly, diligently, effectively for years, if not decades in Babylon before the Lion's Den episode. So as we face 2022, can I challenge you to pick one issue to engage with this year, be it local, national or international? Be willing to get your hands dirty and your heart broken as in the light of God's mercy to you, you seek to love your neighbour through this mucky business of politics. Inform yourself, pray for wisdom and guidance, pray for those involved and see where God will take you. Why not tell us where that takes you? I would love to hear your stories. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. So to today's guest, the former cabinet minister, Dame Caroline Spellman. Caroline, you're very welcome. Thank you. Well, thanks for being with us. We're going to start the way we normally start, and that is to ask you really about how you came to believe in Jesus. Well, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, uh, Dad was a church warden. Mum was a school teacher, a Sunday school teacher. So um, wasn't really optional. Uh, <laughs> but actually, my parents were wise enough to let me kind of walk away and come back and make my own decisions. So I actually got confirmed at university uh, when I really knew in my heart uh, that, uh, you know, Jesus is, is my saviour. And I owned that decision for myself. And was there a thing that prompted that? I think it was really having a good bunch of Christian friends. I just remember sitting down in student hall the first day and thinking, yes, this is where I belong. I share the views and beliefs of these people. This mm. is me. Mm. I mean, a reminder for all of us in that case, how powerful we are around the people that we um, are brought up with and are put in the, the room with. So coming to faith, um, going to university, uh, post-university, you ended up in... Uh, a career in industry you're working in sugar uh, yeah. I think I'm you telling me uh, I tell you Tim I uh, nickname a little miss sugar beet but let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> well, well that sounds like a whole different podcast that Caroline <laughs> but, <laughs> but so but working in that industry you were uh, obviously regularly attending church and uh, and living out your Christian life um at some point uh, you were called into politics and you really felt called to do something that you really hadn't spent much time involved with at all up until that point. Is that right? Yeah. And I think quite a lot of the Christians in politics would identify with this. I think when God calls you, it's a bit like a tap on the shoulder. And I was really quite surprised. I mean, I don't come from any political dynasty. I didn't wake up thinking I wanted to be the next prime minister. Um, and it's something I wrestled with, actually. And, and I met quite a bit of opposition. Um, my home group leaders were dead against it. They said, oh, Caroline, why on earth would you want to go into politics? You know, it's a load of, there are a load of sharks. Mm. 
<laughs> and I and I just said, uh, you know, yeah, but there've got to be some fish swimming amongst the sharks. And I, I actually believe God is calling me into this. Now you found yourself uh, running for election. I think was it in '92 and had a an unsuccessful go, as 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 did many of us. <laughs> and but you were elected in 1997. Is that right? Yeah, but eternally grateful to the folks in Bassett Law in 1992, because that's where I sort of cut my teeth. You have to sort of learn how to do it, and whether, whether you can do it, really. But I got elected in 1997 on a tiny majority of 582 on an electorate of about, you know, 80,000. Mm. So I've always, always regarded the constituency that I represented as one to be nurtured. And I'm so eternally grateful to the voters of Meriden for electing me in 1997 and returning me so, um, so many times. And in the 22 years, 22 and a half years you spent in, uh, in the House of Commons, you spent a very large proportion of that on the party's front bench and some of it um, on the government's front bench. How do you balance being a, a good constituency MP, which you clearly have been, with being an assiduous and diligent minister and for a while a cabinet minister during the coalition years and also the Times Conservative Party chairman? How, how do you strike that balance without going mad? Well, I think the, the clue is in that tiny majority that I was elected on. I, I think what it teaches you is, you know, you, you are very much in the hands of the people who elect you. And I used to have a little phrase to myself, which was never neglect home base. And actually, you know, that surgery that I used to hold every Saturday morning, four hours worth of people coming to uh, seek help is an incredibly grounding. So however busy I became as a cabinet minister, you know, I would tell the civil servants, you know, it's sacrosanct, that time, that face-to-face -face time with constituents who have very considerable needs, that it, that is not just to be pushed away in favour of the other things you want me to do. So mm. I think that connection with your constituency, you know, making sure you keep up that regular contact and they're there, you're there for them when they need you. That's the most important thing. I think a theme that we get from uh, parliamentarians we spoke to on this podcast is that uh, living out uh, a Christian life in politics is very much about service and Indeed. serving the people who elect you, especially in the constituency that you represent. But there were other things that drew you into politics, going back to the, the time when you were having the interesting conversations with the House group leader and others. Uh, what were the kind of things that God laid on your heart that you felt passionate about, which made you feel that politics was the right arena for you to be in? Yeah, well, during the 15 years that I was in industry, I was uncomfortable with an aspect of what the European sugar industry was doing, which was um, if we had more sugar than we needed, um, it used to be exported onto the world market using a taxpayer subsidy. Well, that had the effect of crashing the price mm. for farmers in developing countries. And I just felt this was morally wrong. I tried really hard within the industry to you know, make people aware of my views and try and get this changed. But it's difficult. And I realized that to get this change, you have to become a legislator. So it was trade justice, really, that brought me into politics. And there are no subsidies on, on sugar exports today. That, that has gone. So, you know, I want to encourage people who are listening. Maybe God is calling you in where you work with something that just isn't right. Mm. Uh, you maybe need to come into politics to get that changed. That's really powerful, Caroline, and an enormous difference made 
uh, as well. And often something that's only um, possible to know about if you are on the inside um, and then only to do something about once you change which inside you are from industry and into into politics. You had a whole various range of roles um, in, in Parliament, as I say, a cabinet minister, chairman of the Conservative Party, one of the church commissioners. You spoke on your party's front bench on international development, a whole range of uh, different roles and responsibilities. Is there one that you've considered to have been your favourite? And if so, why? <laughs> I, I always felt passionately about international development and probably goes back to mum. I remember my mum shaking a tin, old cocoa tin, uh, to raise money for Oxfam when I was a child. I, 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 and I think it was deeply ingrained into me that uh, we're, you know, we we have a duty to serve those less fortunate than ourselves. And in the international development brief, you know, you, you see it full on. You know, I was sent out to Afghanistan twice. I was sent out to Iraq. Um, I saw terrible poverty. And it's quite often said that poverty has a woman's face. And very often it did. And uh, to this day, I continue to feel very, very strongly about international development. I'm a tier fund ambassador. And I'm never going to stop feeling that we should be helping people less fortunate than ourselves. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. We're speaking with the former cabinet minister, Caroline Spellman. Caroline, we talked about how you got into politics. And I know you're not out of it now, because when we spoke yesterday, you were busy delivering leaflets. So you're still absolutely at it. But what was it that prompted you after 22 and a half years in uh, the House of Commons to decide that you weren't going to restand at the December 29 snap election? Well, Tim, let's face it, 22 and a half years on the front line of public service is, is, is quite a lot. And actually it entails quite a lot of sacrifice, uh, especially since I'm a mum, I had to make sacrifices in terms of family life. And um, I just felt that I owed it to my family to give time back to them. So that, the, you know, the principal reason really is that it's just knowing when it's time to stop. I have a vicar friend, actually, who when I wanted to give up because it was really difficult, hard being a being an, a, an MP, and particularly hard being a cabinet minister, I used to appeal to her, you know, can't, can't I stop now? And she said, you're called until you're uncalled. Mm. But actually, when I put this to her that, you know, after 22 and a half years, I felt it was time to give back. And also because at the time I was having a very difficult time with the whole Brexit politics. I'd had a lot of abuse and actually that extended to my family. She said, yeah, I think it, I think God is saying it's OK to go now. So I think knowing in your vocation when God may want you to stop doing that, maybe do something else, is a very important point. And I'm really enjoying giving time back to my family now. That's great to hear. And and it's clear to me that your passion for politics hasn't in any way dissipated or gone away. Never but, will. <laughs> and, and, and that's a, that's an important thing, isn't it? It's a reminder that being in politics for most of us is a vocation and not a career. We're, we're lucky, as somebody once put it, that someone pays us to do our hobby, so to speak, <laughs> or at least to do the thing that we're passionate about. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the, so the, the period, obviously, of Brexit was enormously stressful and frustrating. And it felt, I think, for a lot of people, um, that there was a, a, a great, such so, so, so an emotionally charged atmosphere in this place, um, that there was uh, even less kindness about than there was normally. Um, is there anything that you might say to parliamentarians today about how we should conduct ourselves, particularly Christians, when there are issues that we feel very passionately about? 
Well, I think it's the Archbishop, isn't it, who, who coined this phrase, to disagree well. You know, we, we seem to be, as a nation, we seem to be losing that ability to disagree without, um, it, without coming to blows verbally or, or whatever. Um, it, I think it's very important. And I think there the were little, it was a very hard time and you found yourself on different side of the argument from friends, maybe even from family, which was difficult. But there was something I do just want to share with you because it is so recent and I'm very uh, affected by it that actually I, I went into battle uh, over the whole Brexit debate trying to avoid a no deal Brexit. You know, I accept the results of the referendum, but I actually went into battle with Jack Dromey, the mm. Labour MP. So J Jack passed away on Friday suddenly. Mm. We were, we were all really rocked by that. But, you know, that was one of the things about Brexit. It, it also brought together people of different political persuasion mm. who shared the same view. And Jack and I both had a car factory with the dominant number of workers in our, in our constituency affected by the car industry. And that's what brought us together in that battle. So, you know, it was a strange time, but it, but it, it did also bring some friendships as well as, well as some hardships. That's a really great and positive reflection. It is an absolute tragedy that we've lost uh, Jack mm. so young and so so suddenly, and particularly sad for Harriet Harman, his, his wife, who had just announced her retirement just a few okay. weeks ago, really. And I think one of the things that is very clear about you, not just the reference you just made to the relationship with Jack Dromey and the work you did together, is that you were always, and you are always, a cross-party person. Um, and it seems to me in two ways. I mean, Jack, so far as we know, was not a believer. Um, and uh, but you are also very involved in in Christian fellowship here and you you still belong to a group. I think of was it six of you who were elected in 97? Um, yeah. At least two or three of who are still here. Um, yeah. And and how, how what, what's that felt like to be a part of a I think a four party Christian fellowship? And that meant a great deal to me um, because it gave me Christian fellowship in my place of work. And if your listeners are not in a, a, a you know, little fellowship at work, I could only recommend it strongly. It was really interesting because over time we learned to trust each other. You know, it's a bit tribal, British politics, and uh, it, takes a, it takes a bit of courage to make friendships across the political divide. But we learned we could completely trust each other and have remained the greatest of friends. One of our number is now leading the Democratic Unionist Party, mm. Jeffrey Donaldson. So we're all praying really hard for him. And whether we're still at Westminster or not, we remain firm friends. And we have, you know, the, the usual modern version of that, which is a, which is a WhatsApp group. But I think, it, you know, that fellowship um, in your place of work is in, incredibly precious because we as MPs understood the pressures that we were all under, which it's quite hard to understand if you're not an MP. Mm. I mean, it's really encouraging to hear uh, and, and great advice, as you say, to anybody in any workplace that fellowship is is key. Um, but a great example as well, I think, for someone who is so senior as, as, as you have been, um, to be somebody who not just in your private life and friendships um, has fellowship with people across party uh, boundaries, but also working politically in that way, which you always did. And, and obviously the, the reference to working with Jack Drum is just one example of, of many. Now, in the time that you have been outside the House of Commons in the last couple of years, uh, you've still been doing really important and worthwhile things. You're working with the Church of England at the moment about their restructuring. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Well, um, the yeah, I've just started on this. Um, so in retirement, you, you, you get asked to do a lot of things. So I volunteer for a lot of different things. I was probably a slightly pressed volunteer into this role, which is um, the Church of England has a, a commission which looks at the way dioceses are structured and, and helps with the configuration of those and the appointment of bishops. And there are a lot of discussions at the moment in the Church of England about the shape it should take going forward. You know, anyone who's in a parish will know that at, at, at parish level there are discussions about that, but there are also discussions at the level of the diocese. And one of my jobs is, is to try and help the church uh, with it's the vision very much of the archbishops that we need to direct the constrained resources of the church to the mission field. Mm. And I think it's very hard to argue with that. But what that means in practice is a difficult thing to work out. I did six years of local government reorganisation, so I know how difficult this can be. And I'm trying to provide some reassurance to the bishops that, you know, this this work needs to be done with them. The choices need to be by them and that we that we need to listen to God and work out how we help the church be ready for the challenges we face in the 21st century. Well, Caroline, we've come to the end of our time, sadly, but it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you again. Thanks for being on the Mucky Business podcast and have a, have a wonderful day. Thank you, Tim. It's good to talk to you. Well, each week we answer a question from you, the listener, about how Christianity and politics can work together. Maybe you're thinking through a particular issue or you're not sure why people disagree on a particular policy. If you've got a question, write it in an email to farron at premier.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Well, this week, Ben has been in touch and said, I wanted to ask your view on the policing bill currently sitting in the House of Lords. As Christians, we are encouraged to submit to earthly authorities. However, there appears to be serious concerns that the bill will undermine the right to protest. How should we best respond to proposed legislation like this? That's a great question. And thanks, Ben, for getting in touch and asking it. First of all, you will find Christian MPs we've had on this podcast who would take a different view on this to me. So um, let's just take what I say with a small pinch of salt. But from a Christian point of view, I think we should submit to authorities. But part of submitting to authorities is engaging in the democratic process. And that doesn't just involve uh, voting. Um, it also involves being able to, should you wish, to take part in peaceful protests. That means going on marches. It can mean standing outside the House of Commons, handing out leaflets with a placard if you want. And my concern about the bill is that it gives the government and the police powers that I don't think the police have really asked for to limit the freedom to protest and to speak out. And that troubles me. It troubles me as a liberal, let's be honest, but it actually troubles me as a Christian because everybody matters. If every human being is made in God's image then their opinion matters and we should treat them as such. But also let's remember this, we as Christians, we are in reality a minority group. Now, some of the minorities that this bill might silence might be people we don't agree with at all. So maybe we just think we'll not bother standing up for them. But let's remember that it might be us next. And so we need to stand up for the rights of other minorities or else we might find that we're the ones who get cancelled sooner rather than later. And that's why I oppose this bill. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, as we come to the end of this show, let's join together in prayer. 
And loving Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this new year uh, in which your mercies will be present every single day. Um, and we thank you for the opportunity for us to think about uh, the business of politics and how Christians should engage with it. Lord, I pray for every person who listens to this show, uh, whether it be on the radio or on the podcast, uh, to consider uh, what it is that you want them to focus upon. Is there an issue, Lord, that might be on the heart of every listener uh, that they might respond to your call over? Something where they feel passionately, something which they might uh, think something needs to change over, that they might seek your guidance and that you provide that guidance, wisdom as to how they engage and wisdom as to what that issue is. Lord, I just pray that you would help Christians across this country, not necessarily to get involved directly, to put a rosette on and stand for election, but to get involved by caring about politics, praying about the big issues and learning how they can love their neighbours in practical ways through this mucky business. Uh, we thank you for those who do serve in politics. We thank you for Caroline Spellman and her many years uh, serving you, serving her constituents and for the difference she still seeks to make. Um, may you give guidance to all of us. May you know, let us know when we're called and when we're uncalled and help us to keep faithful to you, humbly trusting in you in all things. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can catch up on all the shows which have included interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business. Thanks again for listening.